you are at the net. Welcome to another episode of At The Net Podcast, brought to you by Tex-Mex Productions. On the soundboards, moving the dials and buttons are producers D-Mac and Dave the Bray. Join me in welcoming your hosts, Craig Bell and AJ Chabria, who are talking tennis, what is trending, and maybe even life as it seems to them. Ladies and gentlemen, Craig and AJ. Thanks to our At The Net Podcast girl for that fabulous introduction, and welcome fans of the great game you're listening to Season 1, Episode 39. Can you believe it's 39, AJ? Unbelievable. Man, a At The Net Podcast with AJ Chabry, that's you. That would be me. Yeah, AJ Chabry, is you sure? Yes, sir. (laughs) AJC, and CB1, that's me, Craig Bell, who are talking the great game of tennis as it seems seems to to us. us. Thanks also go out to our good amigos at Tex-Mex Productions. That would be Darian D. Mac McBrayer. And Dave, the brain delay from back of the house, are on the soundboards, moving the dials and buttons to make us sound like real people tonight. We are real people. Yes. You can see us, most of you. Yes, we and uh, and our produced version, they'll just be able to hear us. But we yes. assure you, we are sequestered in the bunker somewhere. We're in the Deep bunker in, uh, in an undisclosed location, like Art Bell, my my uh, namesake, Art Bell. It's, it's basically a tunnel between our two houses. That is, that is uh, so, in a way, we kind of live together, so we mm-hmm. can be. Under six feet, uh, right. if we wanted, we're to. like family. We're, we're like, family. like family. That's right. And I touched my own face earlier, and uh, oh, you yeah, did? I'm just not getting not, wow. not afraid to admit it, pal. <laughs> Sorry. Also, be sure to check out our good work on Fireside, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Breaker, Breaker. You love Breaker, 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 Castbox, Overcast, Pod, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. Basically, all the important communication sites that you kids find your podcasts at, right, AJ? That's it. Yeah, Anywhere there. you get it. And if you're a female and like to do our opening intro for At The Net uh, podcast and being At The Net girl, hey, let us know. We, we're always looking for uh, really good uh, voices. And uh, sorry, and sorry and, guys. There's just enough guys on this uh, on the hosting side of this microphone. Yep. yep. So we, we like to spread it out a little bit and yeah, have we, uh, female voices, too. That's right. Well, AJ, this might be our best episode to date, this I think. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be awesome. We yeah. are privileged. Who cares about the last dance in Michael Jordan tonight? You know, have you heard of that guy, Michael Jordan? I, I, you know, I've heard of him, uh, you know, 90s, whatever, basketball. Yeah. Um, he's, not he's, my kind of person. Champion, you know, skills, right. practice, all that stuff. But uh, I'm he, excited about this show. He's kind of a big deal in the basketball world. But we're talking no. the great game of tennis tonight. No. And there's two. There's just two ladies that come to mind. And they live here in Dallas, Texas with us. And that would be Carol Wayman and Cindy Brinker Simmons of the Marine Connolly Brinker Foundation, Little Mo Tennis. I mean, you name it, these ladies are on fire. Aren't Ma- they? Massive names in tennis, and yes. we're so proud to have you all on the show. Thank you both. Yes, Carol and Cindy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, we are, we are so really, to be here. Well, we were happy to have you when when uh, you all uh, uh, agreed to do this. I was I was really looking forward to this date of May third, twenty twenty, because I, I know what what the the uh, the game of the great game of tennis means to all of us here on the uh, the podcast. But to have you all on this podcast this evening, it, it just means a lot, a lot to us. And so, thank you very much. Carol is the executive vice president of the MCB Foundation. You've been doing that for wow, a long time, right, Carol? Right. Uh, thanks, Craig. AJ for having us. Um, 30 years, celebrated 30 years last year. Uh, started with uh, Marine Colony Breaker Tennis Foundation 89. So, yeah, it's just, been great. It's blown a, by. Uh, just a short 30 years, right? Yeah, quickie. Short 30 years. 30. And then before Loved that, you were a tournament director of the Virginia Slims of Dallas. Uh, you did some world championship tennis. 
Uh, you also got a degree at LSU. Go Tigers, right? Are you pretty excited about the oh, Tiger football team? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we had a great year, didn't we, with Joe Burrow? Yeah, it was yeah. very exciting. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have that kind of winning season when I was there in the 70s, that's for sure. <laughs> well, you, you've all always been, been a great football program, storied football program at LSU. We'll get into your story just a little bit more here in a minute. And then we also have Cindy Brinker-Simmons. I, You know, I, I was thinking about, I was telling Adrian, I go, I don't know which way to go. I mean, you've got not only – one famous parent, but two famous parents. I yeah. mean, how, how do you distinguish between, you know, Little Mo and Norman Brinker? I mean, that's, uh, that's you know, they both got Wikipedia pages, you yeah. know. I mean, that's, that's pretty <laughs> awesome, isn't it? I tell you, Craig and AJ, first of all, thank you so much for having Carol and, and me on tonight. We're, we're the ones that are honored and privileged, truly. And, yes, to answer your question, I marvel. I marvel that I had two such remarkable people as parents. And what I say about my mom is she was a remarkable woman who just happened to be a very good tennis player. Because mm. her character was so extraordinary and so deep and so thoughtful, kind, and had such a great view of being other-focused, not self-focused. And my dad, the same way, so humble, so gracious. Just Besides just being, yes, he was good in business, but you know he was good in life. He lived and loved well. My parents had a wonderful marriage, short though it was, but I, I just, I'm so blessed. I really am. So I, I marvel, and I'm grateful to God for that, truly. Two great parents, and yeah. I just want to know how you got to the University of Virginia, you know, growing up around these parts, you know. How'd you get out to be a Cavalier? <laughs> All the way out to UVA, yeah. Uh, I tell you, I was I was looking at lots of schools because I was playing tennis at that time, and and I was fortunate that a number of schools were, were interested in, in me potentially attending their grand universities. But when I went to UVA, there was just a remarkable look to it. it was, there was a feel to it. And the gentleman who was recruiting me, Gordon Burris at the time, who ended up being the for years and just retired after almost 60 years at UVA, was the tennis coach at the time, but then ended up being the assistant to the president. He just really took to me and, and really encouraged me and uh, was, was just involved in me getting to UVA. I just felt like that was a good fit for me. So, and, and it's interesting because in 1970, it was still a men's college, a university. I mean, it was an all-men's school until 1970. And then in 1970, they opened University of Virginia for women to enroll. So my dad is convinced that this five-to-one ratio, male-to-female ratio, is what finally lured me to going to UVA versus other universities. Now I said, no, no, dad, no, no, that it, this male-female ratio had nothing to do with it. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But to it, was, it. <laughs> it sure was fun to be part of developing their tennis program at UVA. That was that was a real joy for me. And you're still involved. And it was a great goal besides. Go Cavs. Yeah. Go and you're still involved with the University of Virginia, are you not? You're on the board of trustees, or aren't you yes, still doing some stuff? Yes, I'm, I'm on the board of the Virginia Athletics Foundation. Okay. So we handle all the athletics and scholarships. It's a very exciting time to be involved with, with any sort of, of athletic program at any university. And at a Power 5 school like UVA, yeah. it's, it's quite challenging, but very yeah. exciting to be able to give back to the university because it gave me so much. Were you thinking about ever going to school around here locally? Did you did you think about oh, University of Virginia? You really? I know you went to Green Hill School. That's a very prestigious private school yeah. in the area. So smart, you're academic. Were you looking at any other schools? Just out of curiosity. In- 
good question. You know, I really wasn't looking at a Texas school. I was ready to to expand. I was ready to go elsewhere. I was ready to to make my own mark because in reality, whenever I played tennis, it was always Cindy Brinker, comma, daughter of the late great tennis champion, Maureen Little Mo Conley Brinker, comma. Mm-hmm. Even though I, I did have a fairly oh, a good career, I, I have high ranking, but, but it was fun to go someplace that I could, uh, my victories were mine and my defeats were mine. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was fun to go someplace that people really didn't know my background and I could just be me. And, uh, although I'm so proud of my heritage, I, I, my legacy to your point, I just to have a mom and dad, like I had, I'm just so proud of them and want to continue to propel their legacies and be part of perpetuating those legacies. But in college, I never looked at Texas. I really looked at schools outside Texas just to, to be able to, to expand my horizons. Well, I know that both of you are both in the Kind of in the communications world, you earned a degree at UVA in, in uh, a BA in communications in, in Espanol. I guess you, uh, Pablo Espanol. Espanol, yes. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Um, my, my, I double majored, that's right, Craig, in, in Spanish and in communications. Mm-hmm. And I actually uh, could have maybe even gotten a triple major in English because at that time, the communications program was somewhat fledgling. It was really nascent because, as I said, uh, women just started going to UVA in uh, 1970, so the communications program was also young. And but I, I, I read a lot and uh, studied great writers and great communicators, and we did a lot of public speaking in that communications program, which has really been so important for me and has, has helped me be a, a more effective communicator post-college. So it, I really enjoyed having those two majors, communications and Spanish, because I also use my Spanish quite a bit still. Being back in Texas, you do use your Spanish. So, um, you do. I, 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 um, I, I always wonder about uh, people who learn Spanish in, in a state like Old Virginia. Like, uh, <laughs> how do you pronounce the R? Uh, do you go with the Virginian or do you, do you roll it? <laughs> yes, they do have their own language. It's a very Southern language. You are so right. And my dad said I did come back with a little bit of that Southern civility in my language. Love and, it. Uh, but um, oh, I just, being in Virginia for four years mm. was so amazing. And, and yes, I, I rolled my Virginia. Oh, I love it. <laughs> And also how you kind of soften when you say that. Yeah, you a little know? breath and, uh, to it, right? There's some fun. breath. And, it was a great experience. I, I'm so grateful I went there. And, and literally when I went there, it was a great place for anyone who had any sense of, of entrepreneurship mm. or wanted to, to help develop programs, which I did to help develop the tennis program. It was just a great time to be there because the university was so open for any suggestions to, as a woman, mm. to, to be involved. I, I started a sorority there. I started the Kappa Delta. There were three student-athletes. We did that. And it was just a wonderful time for my personality uh, to be at UVA. And I am grateful beyond measure for that, that university to be my alma mater. And, and, Carol, you went to LSU, obviously. We were just talking about that. Yeah. You've, got, you've got a BS degree. Did you get a degree in marketing communications? No, I wish those degrees weren't really offered back then. It was basically teaching or nursing or being a secretary for our 
women's choices, unfortunately. Um, so I chose teaching, and uh, now I went to LSU, but I didn't play tennis there. I played on the sorority league, so I think, you know, I majored more in sorority, I think, than anything else. But um, now I grew up playing tennis in Shreveport, Louisiana, and I always loved it. Actually, Ryan Harrison's grandfather was yeah. my coach at Bird High School, and we had uh, some success. It was all new to me. Tennis was just starting, really, in the 1970s, early 70s, uh, to be popular. I was the only actual sport for girls in my high school was tennis. So I was immediately drawn to it, loved it, and we had some success. We won the state championship three times. I was with a partner, Philip Campbell. I don't know if anybody served yeah. him, but he, he, he's uh, – he was a great partner, and so, but I didn't pursue it after that like Cindy did. Unfortunately, I just, you know, went to college and and uh, was going to teach school, I guess, and you know, didn't really have a plan much to say. And uh, I knew I was moving to Dallas. That was really my first goal: is to get to Dallas and, mm-hmm. and try to figure out what I wanted to do. And and um, never dreaming in a million years I'd be working in tennis. I always loved it, but yeah. you just didn't think like that. I wish I had gone into, you know, wish it had been a marketing degree or uh, public relations or something like that, which Cindy was in, because we both love people, and, and I think that would have been a wonderful degree to have, but uh, anyway, um, I ended up where I wanted to be anyway, so it worked out. In, in many ways, you are a, an educator, and you could probably teach a course in marketing and sure. communications with what y'all do with MCB and the Little Mo. Yeah, you all do, do so much. You know, you, you cut your teeth basically at WCT World Championship Tennis back in the early 80s and became tournament director for the Virginia Slims, uh, you know, running those events. I mean, those were some really big events in the yeah. Dallas area at the time. Well, Dallas is really lucky to have had both uh, the men's the WCT and the women's Whoa. Virginia Slims. It was amazing yeah, yeah, to have that. And uh, so people could see pro tennis. And we had the best. I remember coming over in high school in 72, I believe, was the Rose Wall Labor at Moody. The most and famous five-set indoor match ever, I think. That, that's right. That's right, because it ended up, didn't it go over to 60 minutes, uh, the match, because it was five-set, and that's what brought in a huge TV audience. Oh, and that's really of, started the boom, I think. Big one Sunday one night and started the boom. And, of course, you know, you'd have to assist, uh, give, uh, give a guy like Borg, a little bit of an assist on the boom, but uh, 72, boy, I was a little kid at the time. And, uh, and to watch those guys play tennis, um, unreal. So so good. And the drama of um, going five sets, four and a half yes. hours, uh, just so awesome. And that wasn't a slam, but it was as prestigious as a slam. Uh, we we uh-huh. somehow throw that word around the fifth slam referring to Kibiskane, Miami, or Indian Wells, or, you know, sometimes you'll hear it about one of the, the other events like a Madrid that, that does uh, women and men, but this was just men, top eight guys, and the best of the best. So huge kudos to uh, to you all for running that. That was awesome. It was great. Lamar Hunt did a wonderful job in yeah. bringing tennis to Dallas, and he he was a, sort of a separate entity uh, in doing so. And mm. um, yeah, it was, it was great to have that. And sorry, it ended in '89. That lasted for 20 years yeah. and the Virginia Slims was 20 years so Dallas was one of the fortunate cities to have had 
such great tennis come to town. No, was Dallas really the epicenter of tennis? You know, if you start thinking back about in the seventies with WCT, Virginia Slims of Dallas, or or Texas, maybe in general. You know, you had the uh, uh, the Houston, you had Gladys Heldman down there. You had mm-hmm. the Battle of the Sexes. Do you think that that back in the seventies and into the eighties, the Texas, you know, uh, was the 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 epicenter of of world tennis at the time? I think so. I, I really do. Uh, I can't think of another. Of course, you know, in, like Los Angeles would have a WCT Los Angeles and a Virginia Slims of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. They would have that. But I think from having Maureen Collingbreaker Tennis Foundation as yep. the home base yep. here and also Lamar Hunt and Dallas, that I can't think of another city that had as much tennis power uh, than Dallas at the time. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Now, how'd you just out of curiosity? So, uh, growing up with two famous people uh, in the family, Cindy, you know, and your mom had the tragic accident. Uh, you know, was was a Grand Slam champion, the first lady to ever win the Grand Slam, other than Don Budge. Yeah, yeah. he won the first Grand Calendar Slam. Calendar year Slam, all yes. four. And, and then your mom wins it in 1953. Uh, right. You know, when when did you all decide to do the MCB Foundation? I'm, I'm interested to see kind of what the history was of the foundation. Mm-hmm. Yes, and um, so so first of all, Mom always discouraged me from playing tennis because she never wanted me to feel the pressures of following in the footsteps of a famous parent. Mm-hmm. So so, um, but the, I did love tennis. So I and she totally supported that and and I was 11 when I started but we moved to Dallas my I was born as was my sister Brenda in San Diego and that's where mom lived and dad was stationed in the Navy there at the U.S. Naval um uh there was a naval base there so dad was stationed there and he was also practicing for the Olympics Mm -hmm. uh he was on the modern equestrian team um in the Olympics so they met and they married in San Diego and he was going to San Diego State uh, for college and then when he graduated he met a, a gentleman named Bob Peterson who was starting this restaurant called Jack in the Box wow. and so dad was enamored with Jack in the Box and so became involved with Jack in the Box and his responsibility was to expand Jack in the Box and again back then it was just a little kiosk mm-hmm. it wasn't the Jack in the Box that we see today but dad's responsibility was taking Jack in the Box nationwide well they didn't have cell phones they didn't have computers yeah. email text in those days so literally you physically went and you helped expand so we moved eastward to help Bob Peterson and his company, and Dad was president of Jack in the Box at the time, to expand this concept called Jack in the Box. And we ended up in Houston, and then Dad uh, was um, worked there, but then he decided to move to Dallas and start his own restaurant. So we came to Dallas in 63, and uh, it was there then that we, we... Dad put his anchor down and recognized that Dallas was where we were going to have our home. And it was at this time that it was announced in the paper that Maureen Little Mo had moved to Dallas with her family. And Nancy Jeffett, who had been a very good tennis player at the time, she had been playing it. She played the U.S. Open. wasn't to the ilk of mom, but she was a very, very good and established and nationally ranked tennis player saw that mom was in town and mom when she had played 
way back when in, in her teens, you know, her career just was three years from 51 to 54 before her accident mm-hmm. you referenced. She, she came from a, a single mother family. Her mom was a single mom. So they did not have the funds to be able to play tennis. So the San Diego tennis patrons always raised the money to allow mom to go overseas to play Wimbledon or to play the U.S. Open or to play the tournaments that she played because she could not have afforded that on her own. And because of that, mom was so grateful to the generosity of the San Diego tennis patrons and recognized that had it not been for them, she would have just been a good player on the public court systems at Morley Field in San Diego Mm -hmm. because she never would have had the opportunity to go and play and perform to the abilities that she had because she couldn't afford to play the tournament. So she always said after her accident that she wanted to give back to the sport. And particularly what she wanted to do was to help promising young juniors just like she had been helped. Again, mom was always other focused, not self-focused. So when we came to Dallas in 63, Nancy Jeffett came a call in and met with mom and Nancy had the same heart. She wanted to develop junior tennis as well. So they merged their visions. They merged their dreams. And what they did is they started just a, uh, some charity mixed doubles tournaments from like 64 to, until 68. So they play these wonderful mixed doubles tournaments at Dallas Country Club, raise money. And that money that they raised, they would give for grants to girls, to girls, to promising young girls to go and travel if they, to tournaments. And in 1968, they decided to incorporate and make the Moyne Conley Brinker Tennis Foundation a real not-for-profit. And what they were going to do, and I'll never forget this, and it, it's really touches my heart. It's, it's a tough story, but the first thing that they were going to do as for their fledgling Maureen Conley Brinker Tennis Foundation is they were going to award, which is still awarded today and is still the most prominent award that you can get at the 1800 Nationals, the Outstanding Junior Girl Award. So in 1969, because they had just incorporated 1968, their first activity was going to be to award this Outstanding Junior Girl Award at the Nationals in Philadelphia, and it's still played there at the 1800 Nationals. And I remember Mom practicing and practicing and practicing her speech. Well, she passed away in June, and the award was given in August. Mm. So Dad and Nancy Jeff and I went to to Philadelphia to give that award out. And we gave it to a wonderful lady named Eliza Pandy. She was the first recipient. And that was the first real activity of the Maureen Conley Brinker Tennis Foundation today. That award is the most prestigious award a junior can, can receive. Mm-hmm. And then the foundation... Um, just began uh, to, to in, in 1989, of course, uh, it, it actually, in 1970, when mom passed away, she passed away in 1969, but in 1970, these wonderful players, uh, Billie Jean Kings and Margaret Quartz and Christy Pigeons and Linda Tuero, the players of the, the late 60s and 70s came to Dallas to play a memorial tournament in mom's name, came on their own nickel. I mean, they, they, they paid their own way, and they played this memorial tournament, Hill Palladium's Tennis Court. I don't know if y'all remember that. That was on Spring Valley, just across now uh, from where Northwood is, and they played for a number of years the Little Mo Memorial Tournament, and that money 
began, and that raised money to continue the vision because Nancy Jeffett wanted to continue the vision of promoting and developing junior tennis. And that memorial tournament is what really propelled and funded these travel grants and these tournaments that, that uh, the Morning County Brinker Tennis Foundation started. So from 1970 through about ni- through 1974, this memorial tournament in mom's honor was in mom's memory was played and then in 1975 the virginia slims tour started in 1975 and because dallas was already a popular stop on for these women these tennis pros coming to honor mom dallas became a stop on the virginia slims tour and what was really special about the virginia slims of dallas tour is that and stop is that these these pros ended up staying with families. We housed them because they, the Virginia Slims allowed the Morning County Brigger Tennis Foundation to organize and to execute, to implement this tournament. That means every responsibility fell on Nancy Jeffett's shoulders. Mm. But she did such an amazing job, and she was such a motivator. She had such a burning passion to continue this mission and vision that she and Mom had established, and I just appreciated her so much over the years for doing that, that uh, the players all came to Dallas and so they came every year and that is really what propelled the Morning County Brinker Tennis Tournament uh, the Morning County Brinker Tennis Foundation and what funded all of our our, our events we had the national 14 16 uh, 18s um, at TBRM we had a two international events, the Moyne Conley Brinker Cup with the top Australian girls, played the top American girls, we had the Moyne Conley Challenge Trophy, the top girls from British, all juniors played the top U.S. girls. So we had really um, a roster and litany of events that was all funded by the Virginia Slims of Dallas. And then Carol came in 1989, and she, uh, she was hired, but then all of a sudden we sold after the, the uh, 89 Virginia Slims tournament was finished, we sold it. And there Carol was wondering what she was going to do next. Right, Carol? <laughs> right, Cindy. <laughs> yeah, I left, uh, I'd been at WCT for eight years uh-huh. and then uh, Nancy's daughter, Sissy, had been running the tournament and she got married and, and they needed someone to fill her shoes and, and someone suggested that I might be good over there because I'd had experience in tournament operations with, for so long and, mm-hmm. and also sales and marketing and it was just a, a you know to be able to stay in pro tennis because I, I had a feeling WT was on its way down as far as you know ending their tournaments uh, the ATP had it's a long story but you know I don't know if you know all that vast no, history I, I, but I was going to say hey can you go down that rabbit hole just for yeah, a second yeah when the men's yeah. uh, internet, uh, professional international tennis council uh took power and went to went to more of a unified ATP. Tell us about that story, yeah, too. Please do. Oh, well, it just, you know, Lamar, had just, with his handsome eight in 1968, mm-hmm. he, he really single-handedly took tennis to pro level, to where players were actually being paid <laughs> instead of below the table, above the table. And uh, he uh, was an outlier, really. But he was just doing what he wanted to do. Mm. Al Hill was his nephew, who was, was a tennis player. They joined in together and uh, wanted to create um, 
uh, a place for these great pros like Cliff Drysdale and Dennis Ralston, different ones. It's called the Handsome Eight mm-hmm. in uh, 1968. So they started paying these just Handsome Eight. They were nice-looking guys traveling around the United States playing tournaments and gyms. I know at Centenary they played inside on the gym floor, not even a surface. It's just mm-hmm. on the gym floor. Uh, but they were paid. And... Uh, it was just a huge uh, split there that, that you had the ATP on one side and you had Lamar and his circuit on the other. So they just were running two separate circuits and they never really came together. In the end, they wanted, I think, Lamar to pay a million dollars to be on the ATP circuit <laughs> so there wouldn't be conflicting events. And anyway, it was um, a big deal uh, back in the day for that to, that to happen. And Lamar had gotten into soccer with his son, Clark. Mm-hmm. And so he really created the Dallas Tornado and the soccer boom <laughs> really started with Lamar Hunt. And uh, so kind of pushed tennis to the, to the back burner, really. And tennis boom became the soccer boom. Tennis moms became the soccer moms. <laughs> so um, he, he ended uh, WCT in 89. And so I was, but before then, it was actually 90. Before then, I could tell things were not good. And, and uh, a friend of mine over at Virginia Slims that, you know, sissy's married. Well, why don't you try over there and see? And I, I uh, went over there, and I'll never forget. I, Cindy and I laugh about this, but, <laughs> you know, at WCT, we had a whole floor at Thanksgiving Tower downtown <laughs> and 40 people. And so to go to Virginia Slims, I didn't. I don't know if you know this, but Nancy operated the Slims in her garage apartment wow. behind her house. <laughs> the whole entire slim and so when i went over there i was like uh where are all the people (laughs) i thought it was a joke really but i couldn't believe it but that's how nancy jeff did a great job in saving money and having that whole operation she worked on volunteers ladies that were in the junior league were her volunteers and they did it like clockwork they knew their jobs from tickets to programs to ball girls to whatever needed to be done. When I'd call them, and I was always I was very nervous because there was nobody. I had two months to put the tournament together because I was hired in July of '89. The tournament was in September of '89, mm. and the, a sponsor had not even been renewed at that time, so nothing had been done, and there was no files. Uh, you know, nothing like we had at WCD. Nancy just did it with her loyal ladies and it came off like clockwork i've never been so shocked <laughs> that it was such a great event for dallas and you know we had uh, neiman marcus box lunches and it was just you know it was for a great cause that's what i like you know that it went back to funding like cindy said travel grants mm-hmm. and um and just had a bigger mission working for the foundation. The fact that it was in her garage, that it was a labor of love. And it was a labor of love on my part, too. And I had never heard of Maureen Conley before I started working there. So, yeah, she was a little bit before my time. So I was just so enamored with who she was as a person and all the accolades that everybody talks about. And I just thought that's something that, I can relate to you that I always felt about tennis that it was such an honorable sport and you can be kind and you can you know, still be a great competitor on the court, but off the court and on the court, you can be a great sport. And that's what I wanted to pass along. You know, when uh, God, I don't know if we're getting ready to talk about the little mo program. We, we are. But, actually, uh, <laughs> we are. You know, that's kind of where I let 
And, and let me just say one more thing, yes. Carol, just to go back, uh, and you, you articulated so beautifully, dear, dear one, um, is that they were volunteers and they opened their homes. Again, we, that's so important. They opened their homes to these players. Yeah. So the players would come, you know, and every week they'd go to a hotel or, or they would go, you know, to to participate in, in the professional tournaments. But when they came to Dallas, it was like coming home. And so the players loved coming to Dallas and still for years, I mean, decades kept up with the families who housed them. And it really was a lot. And they would come to all the player parties. They would come and say thank you to the sponsors. So there was a real integration of the players and the sponsors and all the ticket holders that mm. had boxes. I mean, it was it was so lovely because it was so genuine, authentic, and just warm. And the players loved coming to Dallas. And, and I think it's because Nancy created that very warm and ingratiating environment that, that really uh, spoke to the players because they felt like they were coming home when they came to Dallas. I love this. And I, I, I do want to get to the Little Mo, but as a, a I guess, a transition there is definite continuity, and I say this as a fan of men's and women's pro tennis, but as a local coach and um, a father of a, of a kid who's played in these, there's a seriously common thread that goes from Little Mo's ethos, sportsmanship, and the way pros embrace Dallas, right on through to the way you two have run the Little Mo uh, event. I want to ask two two quick questions, and um, we'll go in order. The first one is, tell us a little bit about something that's near to, to our hearts, the connection between the gold standard of sportsmanship, and that's one of the words that you all use, uh, and competitive advantage. Um, uh, in other words, you're a better player and a better human being if you're behaving as such. Uh, that's the first question, and sort of a two-parter here. I do want to circle, just slightly get back to, um, Carol, your experience with WCT, then pretty immediately to Virginia Slims. That might be a, a neat thing to talk about is the, uh, the current scuttlebutt of, or the, the idea that's not really a new idea, but the idea of unifying, merging women's and men's tennis, WTA and ATP. So uh, handle those however you two want. Roll, go. <laughs> Cindy, you want to handle the Mo coins and the? Oh, I'll be happy to do that. Great. That's great. And then, yes, that, that's I'll, I'll start. Yeah. I'll start, and you can finish. <laughs> <laughs> um, what Mom was, as, as we said, she was a remarkable person who just happened to be a good tennis player, mm -hmm. and it was her character that really embodied the spirit of Little Mo. And what that meant is. She was such a, a great competitor, of course. I mean, she was number one in the world. She never lost a match her last year of competitive play. She won all nine Grand Slams that great. she ever competed. I mean, she was the best. So from a competitive, just talent perspective, she was the best. But really what marked mom was her kindness and her wanting to give back and her wanting to imbue the importance of sportsmanship and the importance that you are going to be a person, a woman, a man, a lot longer than you're going to be a tennis player. But in other words, you can be a champion on the court, but what is so much more important is how you conduct your life off the court. 
and being a real ambassador for the sport of tennis means are you a person of integrity? Are you a person of kindness? Is your word your bond? Is your character strong and true? Can people rely on you? Mm-hmm. Are, are, are you? Do you have an attitude of gratitude? Do you say thank you? Do you follow through on responsibilities? Those sorts of things. So what we do at, at the Morning Colorado Tennis Foundation that is absolutely embedded in our tournaments is we preach the importance of giving back. We preach the importance of sportsmanship, kindness. We give out sportsmanship and kindness awards to a boy and a girl, a sportsmanship to a boy and a girl, a sportsmanship award to a boy and a girl, and a kindness award to a boy and a girl at our international matches and our national um, championship. Because we think that that is as important, if not more important, than, than hoisting the, the championship trophy above your head. Now, now, winning the tournament is amazing because these are the best 8- to 12-year-olds in the country. So it does speak to the incredible, gifted, talented elite players we have. But when we but when we talk about and give out the sportsmanship and the kindness award, we really speak to the character of the young people. So so that's really important. And parents really appreciate that. In our opening ceremonies, our speeches, we talk about having an attitude of gratitude, looking at your parents, looking at your coaches, and recognizing that, yes, when you're on the tennis court, you're alone. But there's a team behind you that supports you, that pays for your meals, that pays for your lessons, that cleans your clothes, that sacrifices to take mm. you to these tennis tournaments. So when I speak, I always say at the end, when we, when we finish this this opening ceremony, I want you to go to your parents and thank them and have an attitude of gratitude to also the linesmen, the people who are running the tournament, to Carol, to Matthew, all of the people involved in the tournament. And what we do that I think is also really special is we have Mo coins. And these are little coins, mm-hmm. colorful little plastic coins that we give out to players who are exhibiting great sportsmanship. When they say good shot or they take their racket, you know, and pat their racket when their opponent has made a good shot or that, that just exhibit somehow, some way on the court or really even off the court, mm-hmm. that embodiment of Little Mo being a, a young man or a young woman of character. And our, our, our linesmen give out the Mo coins. Carol and I give out the Mo coins. A group of us are, are able to walk around and give out the coins. And then we have a big booth, a table, with all kinds of fun things from towels to lollipops to, to fans, uh, to pens, that they can redeem the coins for, for gifts. And that has not only... Has does that reinforce the importance of sportsmanship? But it really has cut down on any missed calls, any cheating, um, any any inappropriate behavior. It, it's just it has really helped the kids recognize how important it is because we preach it and preach it and preach it, and we we have a code of conduct that they have to sign, and and we're very strict. If we see any behavior that is not conducive to what we believe falls within the the confines of our code of contact, uh, conduct, we get penalty points. And uh, and then we talk to the kids afterwards if, if there's a scuttle. We, 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 we do give, we believe every child is redeemable and, and certainly that's important if there has been an infraction. But uh, the parents, the letters, the emails that we get saying how 
they really they love our tournament for its competitive value. But what parents really appreciate and coaches are the fact that we focus on the character side of the game, on developing these young people who, again, will be ambassadors for tennis, but their tennis career is going to be much shorter. Mom certainly was. It was only three years. Yeah. was much shorter than, than being, are, are you a good wife in the future, a good husband? Are you a good brother, sister? So anyway, that has really been, I think, the hallmark and our signature for the Maureen Conley Brinker Tennis Foundation, perhaps what sets us apart in that gold standard of excellence. It, it is, and it's yeah. literally all I've seen as, a, as, as an MC for an event, as a dad, as a coach of several players who've come through. Um, I'm proud to say that my father was a, uh, a, a tennis professional and a coach and a great player. Yes. And he was most proud that my son didn't win the Little Mo Regional, but he won the sportsmanship medal uh, wow. at the end of the tournament. And that was a big deal in that tent. And my son is now 17, three inches taller than I am, and still plays with the yo-yo that's yellow with a little Little Mo <laughs> logo <laughs> on it. Yes, yes. Oh, thank you for saying that. <laughs> I just really appreciate that. And, and, and I think that is important because your son is going to continue to be an ambassador for the sport and, and continue to, to wherever he goes, whether he plays professional, whether he goes to college, yeah. or whether he's a teaching pro like yourself, or whether he just, he just loves the game and just speaks to the joy of the game. That, that's awesome. But thanks for sharing that because that, that is really who we are. Thank it you. really is who you are, and it, it's and it's not just you two. It's Matthew. It's Natalia. Absolutely. It's anybody who has worked in your organization in yes. the past ten years that I've known you uh, closely. So thank you for that. Thank you for saying that. That means a lot. Thank you. Thank you. I'll pass that on to Matthew. Yes. He's Please He's fabulous. Do. Oh, and, what will we do without him? Yeah. <laughs> and hey, let's shift gears over to Carol yeah. and to talk a little bit about the uh, not just the WCT Virginia Slims transition, but the ramifications for ATP and WTA today. Uh, well, that's been interesting because back in the day, in 1968, Billie Jean King was really the first one to to say, let's merge together the mm. men and the women. Well, they, the men didn't want to do that at the time because the men were more popular than the women. Well, the women were just getting started, and uh, they formed the WTA because they didn't want to merge. So now, all these many years later... Uh, Roger Federer out of the blue tweets a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. why don't the ATP and the WTA get together and have one voice, so to speak? And, of course, Billie Jean, has, you know, she's like 76 years old, I think, now. And so yeah. she is just beyond thrilled that she has lived to see this day that if somebody like Roger Federer, the top male player, and then Andy Murray has chimed in, that he's all for it. So it looks like this might happen, um, which will be great for the sport because very few sports have equal men and women participation. And you can just speak with one voice, uh, you know, corporate sponsorships, television rights, and all. You can just be more powerful that way. And, and with whatever Roger says, things to get done. So I, I have high hopes that this will happen. I think it's fantastic. And everybody else, of course, the women are just so thrilled to because the men seem to, you know, carry still a lot more power. So it's it's still bringing in um, the women underneath. I mean, not as underneath their umbrella, but so to speak. But partners. Yeah. Um, 
So we're excited. I, I think it's going to be great for pro tennis. Tremendous, yeah. I, I just want to know about that big trophy that you all put out in the little mode. The biggest trophy in, in uh, yeah, it's like 80 feet well, tall. We divide well, don't we? <laughs> yes, uh, nothing like a big carrot. Um, no, everybody needs some uh, incentives to uh, progress the next level. And then when I guess uh, it was our 60th anniversary of Maureen Conley's Grand Slam win in 1953 um, to uh, have have some kind of uh, celebration in her honor for that and to kind of bring back to people's mind that the calendar year Grand Slam is what's <laughs> the big deal, not career slam, right. things like that. Um, so... Anyway, I, I would always go to the Covenant Trophy Shop uh, to do our trophies. Shout out to Covenant. Covenant, <laughs> um, good. And, uh, and I would always see these huge trophies. And I thought, gosh, which sports give those out? And I would see a pool table on top of yeah. one and a soccer ball on one and a race car driver, a car on one. I thought, God, tennis never gives anything like this. And I'm thinking, well, you know, if you know, like the put the mirror up what about us you know what about me you know i I can create any trophy really and uh wouldn't that be great to get because i was thinking what could we give somebody who would win the three slam tournaments which are california in june new york at forest hills in august and then the big one in florida in december Mm -hmm. what could we give an honor of this and kind of create a little mini slam for the little mo players to shoot for because we have some of these most outstanding players and at every level you need to keep the uh carrot out there and it's hard to do and this is hard to do we've had eight champions so far and we've had a few years where we haven't had any champions so um basically i thought well I think, you know, it should be four feet, then five feet. Then I thought, you know, I'm going to have it to where a kid could say it's bigger, taller than daddy. So, and the guy got out the book and I sort of handpicked all the little designs for yeah. it. And I wanted a picture frame on it to where somebody could, you know, put their winning picture on it and then have all the different, um, of the, the three sites on a pl- plaque at the bottom of it and it's, and what it says and what it, they win. And so it's not a perpetual trophy. It's a trophy they actually can take home. So it does break down into two, two parts. But luckily, no one from overseas has won it. So we haven't had to ship it overseas. But it's a beautiful trophy and um, it's exciting to see. And we've had kids win all, win two legs and then, in their final match in Florida, lose it in a third set tiebreaker. Wow. So it really does increase the pressure on the kids. And, and we also, little most signatures, players play their own age, like eights play eights, nines play nines, which is a little different than the USTA, which does right. the two-year increments. But people, the whole thing meaning that little Mo is, is designed to be fun um, and meet new friends, but it's also – you, you, the pressure cooker is raised up for these kids, and it really shows. Like parents tell me all the time, my my child's never nervous before tennis match until they come to Little Mo when they're they're playing their own age group or something big like the big trophies online. So we're teaching these kids at a young age how to handle pressure. That's part of it to play the big points well. Yeah, and, and, wait, um, 
and, and Carol, tell us a little bit, um, and Cindy too, uh, Andy Roddick, CC Bellis, Coco Goff, uh, the, the list is just really, really big names. Um, if you could tell us a little bit about these, these players and any others that really stand out for you. And also the startlingly high number of little Mo alums who are in grand slams these days. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Andy Roddick, uh, I guess, uh, back in the day, the little Mo was it started in 1977 mm-hmm. at Hockaday school, just a one day Saturday event, uh, for little kids and just nine and 10. And they brought a sack lunch. It was sort of a mother's day out for the kids. And then it, over the years in the eighties, it had expanded to Texas only. And that's when Andy Roddick played. And I like said earlier, I was, Joined in 89, and then in 90, 92, 93, um, Andy Roddick was playing, and Andy lost in the first round of the tournament to no one, that came back the next year, won the consolation, then came back the next year and won the tournament. So that, I thought he was going to be really pretty good, but he developed a great serve, which really put him on the map by accident later down the line. Yeah. And, and uh, the players have just been so, it's just been so fun to watch, mm. you know, the Coco Goffs and the ones who've come through, Ryan Harrison, the, the list is long, um, and so many great collegiate players as well. But yeah. Sophia Kennan won the Australian Open last year. And so we're starting to see a lot of uh, top players coming through. And, you know, it's a, a year-long circuit, uh, Rose Lomo Nationals, our friend Kathy Eckel, you know, Pro Roll Oaks is the one who kind of gave me the idea because right. once we left pro tennis, I focused more on junior tennis. And uh, I like the Little Mo program, that one little event. I thought, that is so cute. You know, I wonder if they have it other places around the United States. And I checked around and they did not. And so I thought, well, Kathy's daughter, Tara, who was five at the time, yeah. we were, I know, time flies. That um, I asked Kathy, I said, you know, we're, I'm wanting to think of something to do with kids and um, this little Mo program. And I said, what would you like Tara to do with her tennis? And where do you see her? She said, I'd like her to play locally. And if she does well locally, I'd like her to play other states, people from other states. And then she does well there to play kids from uh, in a national level, kids that are really good from New York or California. Mm-hmm. And so I, that was my plan. And I said, okay, we'll put a little mo in every state. And so Kathy said, oh, no, no, <laughs> you're biting off way more than you can chew. She said the U.S. I didn't know much about that part of junior tennis because I've been in pro tennis, that the USTA had 17 or 18 sectionals around the country. And uh, that's how it's divided up. So, so that's where I started. I tried to find a club in each section and created a um, situation where the pros would actually run the tournaments themselves and give a little portion back to the foundation. But they would run a sectional tournament, and then the best players, the top eight players in each age group, and I'd added more ages, eight to 12, the top eight would advance to a regionals. And there's four regionals in the summer. So the 18 sectionals around the country in the spring led to four regionals in the summer, north, east, south, and west. And uh, from the regionals, there would be the top four would advance to the 
little more national. Yeah. So you would have the top four, say, girls eight from northeast, southwest, leading into the nationals. So in one location in Austin, at the Austin Tennis Academy, we have the top 16, girls eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, and same for the boys. So we find out. That's what I want to do. I want to find out who is the best who are the best kids in America? Because um, so many kids are playing up at the time, like a 12-year-old would be playing in the 14s or mm-hmm. the, even the 16s. They were talented, and they weren't really getting tested against their own age. Like when I grew up, you played your own age, and you knew who the best 12 was in America. So anyway, that's that's really how it started, and um, it's been great. It is, we're in our 23rd year yeah. of the Rose, the Little Mo Nationals, and uh, we've had great speakers come to our ceremonies. We've had Chris Everett and the Bryan brothers and Maria Sharapova. We have clinics. We have opening ceremonies mm-hmm. where they parade around with their country flags at the internationals or their state flag at the nationals. Uh, fantastic player parties with bounce houses. And we have a cowboy that comes and does trick roping and does a whole show for the kids at the nationals, little Texas flair. And we do a gift exchange with the first round opponents. Um, we think that's really a, a neat, special thing to meet a friend on the yeah. first day of the tournament. Um, that got started when some Hawaiian kids came over and brought me uh, some chocolates and from Hawaii and LA and gave their first round opponents for the entire tournament um, a gift. And it just meant everybody's talking about. It. I thought, well, we could start that. You know, that way people have a, a fun little memory from someone from another state or. or another country yeah i i uh, I loved seeing when a kid from minnesota brought a gift uh, to a kid from texas and the texas kid gave him something like a jalapeno chocolate or something (laughs) something very texas you know and and the minnesota kid was like what don't eat it all i I don't think So it's just really grown, and then we added the internationals. Yeah. Um, like 14 years ago, we uh, have our Little Mo International Florida. That's our flagship. We had over 500 kids from 60 countries last mm. year. So it's really been popular. We sandwiched between the Eddie Her and the Orange Bowl. So it's a lot of kids coming from overseas. And the, we have one in um, California. We didn't get to have it this year because yeah, of the virus. Right, uh, right. But it was scheduled to be at the Balboa Tennis Club. Uh, that was Maureen Conley's home club where she grew up playing her tennis. So that yeah. we'll have it there next year, which will be exciting to return to her home club. Yeah. Then in uh, August, we have our uh, Little Mo Internationals in New York, which is at Forest Hills, which is the home of the uh, Maureen Conley's final leg of her Grand Slam win in 1953. So that has a lot of uh, history to it that the kids really, we make them wear white. Yeah. And, well, the club's rule is white, but it's a chance for them to kind of have an old school feel of what it used to be like. And so um, we have a full schedule, 30 events a year, so we, we stay busy. Mm. We, we want to transition into talking about the future of the MCB Foundation. But before we do, hit us with a couple details. Um, what was it like to give the trophy to a Ryan Harrison, whose grandfather coached you? And uh, another question is about uh, Kenan, who won the Australian Open. When she won it, was she Sonia or Sophia? Okay, well... Um it was a full circle moment for me, for sure, having grown up with uh, Coach Harrison. He was a football coach uh-huh. 
at my high school. And, uh, you know, back then, the tennis coach just was a side gig for mm-hmm. somebody just to earn a little extra money. He didn't know a thing about tennis. And um, so they uh, – it, it, amazing that he was – he had five kids. And so by being a, not only the coach of the tennis team, he also – taught me driver's ed. But what he was was a good coach and we ended up doing very well and yeah. he ended up being centenary's coach. And um, it was just a full circle moment that he ended up by not having any money to raise these five kids that he had them all tagging along with us when we would play our tournaments. Yeah. And uh, he ended up through tennis, him, his side job of coaching tennis got each of his kids, except the oldest one, uh, full full ride scholarships in tennis. Right, and so that really to see Pat Harrison's son Ryan come yeah. through is full circle for me. Um, and and Sophia, she was always Sophia, yeah. uh, to us. And uh, yeah, she she was great. She she beat Ingrid Neal. I never forget. Ingrid was going for three in a row, wow. little known national titles, and we had never had anybody go for three in a row. And Ingrid uh, came up against uh, Sophia, and uh, Sophia beat her. <laughs> and uh, you can then her success has continued on. So yeah. we have high hopes for her. Can, can you tell kids at that age are going to be successful? I mean, I just thought of that. If you saw a kid yeah. out there, do, do you see? greatness in them at that point or are like mm, they might be pretty good you know or like whoa that kid's gonna be really good have, have you because you've had so many great players come out of your your tournaments can you can you tell that at that age uh i think you can tell a lot how good a kid's gonna be by their by their strokes and their foundation and how they their footwork mm-hmm. and their body build you know you can't tell whether they're gonna grow or not but i think the that they have good strokes and thank you AJ and all and Craig and all you guys out there doing such a great job teaching the good foundation because because sometimes you know your wins I've seen it so many times people winning at a young age and and you never hear from them after that you know know? (laughs) like a Jamie Hunt say he was one that always came through Dallas in our tournaments he was always consolation runner-up or what it not even and um I could tell he had great strokes. I kept, mm-hmm. His mom was like, I don't know if we should eat from San Antonio. And it was a big effort for them to come all the way to Dallas for, you know, spending hotel room nights and things. And I, I said, he's got great strokes, you know, stick with it. And yeah. he ended up winning the U.S. Open by junior double. So it's just some people are late bloomers. Yeah. And like you've got this Akasha Urobo um, gal who won the Grand Slam, uh, the Little Mo Slam two years in a row. So watch out for her. She's from mm. Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Cindy, we've seen her play. So she can attest that. I think she's going to be really a next up and coming star. She's like 14, I think, now. Um, so yeah, you can tell talent and uh, prodigies for sure uh, that are going to probably do well. They'll get a college scholarship. They may not have the the mental aspect going on. They may, mm-hmm. like Pat Harrison always said, his daughter Madison was better than Ryan and Christian. Wow. <laughs> but she enjoyed going to slumber parties and having fun with her friends and didn't have the mental side. Yeah. And uh, so you just never know how all of it's going to line up. And 
you just hope that it will. But if not, you know, you can become a tennis pro or be involved like I, I am. Like and, you, you know, yeah. Both of you. <laughs> And I'd like to add, too, that what I see, uh, what what I look for is the heart and the fire. Uh Because I look for the boldness and the confidence. I I watch the kids who are down love 40, and they play with the same intensity as if they were up 40 love. And at this young age, at 8, 9, 10, 11, especially 8, 9, 10, yes, 11, and 12 for sure, just to see how how their boldness, their ferocity on the court, are they are they filled with passion? Do they they hit out rather than just moonball? Right. Because how many times have have oh my goodness a, a, a child is winning and then all of a sudden his opponent or her opponent starts to come back a little bit mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden that player who was winning freezes out of fear. And my mom always said you walk on the court with two approaches. You either walk on the court fearing to fearing to lose or wanting to win. And when you fear to lose, it's a self-fulfilled prophecy. You you get paralyzed in fear. You can't hit your big shots. You lose your mm-hmm. confidence. You're just fearful. And it doesn't allow you to hit out like you could under normal circumstances. But when you walk on the court wanting to win, you in the when, when it matters in those big shots, you hit the big shots. You're not fearful about missing the ball. You go for it. You hit with confidence. And that's what I look for in young kids. I can't tell you a dozen times, two dozen times mm-hmm. to determine. I'll watch a child, and that child will lose because perhaps the, their opponent is moonballing them, and they're hitting out, and ultimately the, the other child wins just because of consistency. Mm-hmm. But I will go up to that child, that other child, and just say, you just wait. You've got what it takes to be a champion. You've mm-hmm. got the heart. And I'll point to their, I'll, I'll, I'll hit myself, you know, on my heart. I said, you've got the heart. You've got the fire. Your strokes are good. But I really look at the mental and the emotional side of the child because that is what's missing so many times. And we used to have a lot of pros come to our home. My mom would coach some of the pros, the female pros that would take a week off off the tour. And many times they just came for mom to coach them to just help them get more mentally strong and, and, and just get back in the game because they had the great strokes. But they just would lose it mentally. They would either go on a walkabout or mm-hmm. they would just uh, lose concentration or crater or get fearful. And mom spent a week, would spend a week at a time with different players and um, just really coach the importance of being mentally strong and, and taking fear, throwing the spirit of fear out and just walking on the court wanting to win and hit out. And so that's what I notice and, and that boldness and that, that, that fire in their belly. You know, that's, that's what I look for. What a great yeah, They're playing for themselves, not for somebody else. Right. They are. Right. Absolutely. Well, I think your mom was so totally mentally tough that our research department looked at her nine finals. She only lost one set in, in her final <laughs> matches. And it was in her first one. It's From then on, one. she rolled straight Every sets, time. 16 sets, really 17 in a row. Right. That's unbelievable. It's quite remarkable, isn't it? Oh, it, it really is. It, it, it's, it's mind-boggling. And and you know what's also amazing and what I love about our slams, the, the, the children offering this 
six-foot trophy to, to any child who wins a three international tournament that in the history of tennis, the history of tennis, only five players have won the calendar grand slam. Mm. Five players. Don Budge was the first, and Mom. Yep. Then Rod Laver won it twice, both in, in the unopened era, and then he won it in the open era, and then Steffi Groff and Margaret Court. Five players. I mean, you look at the greats, the Fetters and the Dolls, the Billie Jean Kings, the, the Chris Everts. I mean, because there was always some, it, it could either be the court consistency on the court, maybe a, a person, a doll tend, tends to be the, the, the barrier of winning that French Open because mm -hmm. he's so good on clay. But but it, it's amazing that only five players of all of our great pros, Sampras, Bjorn Borg, all of them, only five players have won the Grand Slam, the calendar Grand Slam. So you've got to be mentally tough to win those because, as Carol said, the pressure, even mm -hmm. the kids who go, we, we watch those who are going for the third and they will lose it you know it, it's heartbreaking but it's just you can see the pressure beginning to mount mm. so I, I think this I, we're excited that our tournaments really do promote good competition but they're fun yeah. and we were talking about you know the player the player parties and we want our kids to have fun and to meet people and make new friends and it's amazing how many parents say they, they will start the tournament when their child is eight and then by the time they're 12 they will be playing doubles with the young person that they that they played in the first yeah. round I mean two if last year and it happens more than once two girls were playing one beat the other in the first round. So that propelled one in the consolation and the other kept advancing. But then the, uh, the, the one who was advancing lost and they ended up playing each other in the, in the finals of the, of the constellation. They also, by the way, became doubles partners. After losing that first round, they, they didn't have doubles partners. So they became doubles partners. They were warming each other up before the constellation match even started. I mean, they, that, that morning they went to warm each other up before they oh, played so. against each other in the competition. I mean, it's so exciting to see the friendship. Yeah. that are established. So it, it, that's what gives us great joy as well. You're, you're both doing remarkable work, and, and that brings us to a, a, a question about uh, the future. Carol, you did a nice job telling us a little bit about the near future of Little Mo. Cindy, maybe you can tell us a little bit about the future of MCB Foundation. Thank you. Yes, and we're always looking at how can we do better? How? What can we do that uh -huh. even helps our, our players more. Uh, we we were we talked. A lot of uh, parents are in the the world of tennis. They they either are involved in tennis clubs or they're in some uh, business that promotes sports or tennis. So we're talking with individuals about even expanding potentially to outside the United States to to perhaps other countries. We've had lots of conversations over the years, but we're very selective and very, very careful mm -hmm. because we want to protect the brand, this very, very special brand that, again, certainly is embodies the spirit of Little Mo but also protects the brand that Nancy Jeffett, for 40 years, she she held closely and, and protected that brand. And now it's up to us to make sure that brand is protected. So we are looking potentially expanding to other countries, um, partnering and having sponsorships. And, and we're just 
continuing to preach the good word of good sportsmanship and kindness. And uh, uh, a lot of the players will contact MCD for school projects. Mm-hmm. So, so we, we, what we want to do is keep mom's memory alive, keep her, her, uh, the, the embodiment of what she does. Keep because again, her her career is in the fifties. I mean, we're, next year, next year will be the seventieth anniversary of her 1951 win at Forest Hill. So we're talking about 70 years. And what's so exciting, the stamp, you know, that, that was issued last year, the Little Mo Commemorative yeah. Forever Stamp. What was so exciting about that is that the U.S. Postal Service recognized Mom's impact as a pioneer in sports and, of course, in tennis. So we, so that was a great way to continue to perpetuate Mom's memory and keep alive uh, her her legacy. So we're looking at expanding again to other countries potentially. We're taking it slow because we want to make sure it's a good fit and that that we're crossing our T's and dotting our I's. We have some opportunities down the road. And and just continuing to be very careful about our decisions and uh, and adding new sponsors. We're we're very marketing centric, and and in junior tennis sponsorships are tough. But but we are adding new sponsors to our MCB family. Uh, they enjoy what we offer and so that's really what we're trying to do to broaden our our sponsorship base and then also look at other tournaments and just to continue promoting the message of kindness good sportsmanship but the importance as mom would say competition is good it teaches you to pick your chin off your chest when you lose and to also be a humble winner and she said it's a lot harder to be a gracious winner than a gracious loser because to be she humble mm-hmm. and and to to make sure that, that when you win you keep that in perspective. Excellent. Excellent. C B, well, let's shift into the third set, the last Yeah, if you wouldn't mind, here. can we can we we know that it, we're right at about an hour. We mm-hmm. won't respect your time, but we've got five really kind of fun questions. Would you all humor us and, and go with us? I'd love it. Oh, Mr. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Character development. This is both of you. This is yeah. for both of you. This it's is not, both. Yeah, we want you to answer uh, separately. So this, because these, these are for both of you. All right, so if you had a dinner party and you all had this great dinner party, each one of you separately, who are the four people that you would invite to the dinner party? So we're going to learn something uh, about you. Tennis people or no, anybody? You can go inter-era, inter-industry. Inter-world. You can dig back. You can go go all the yeah. way. Yeah. You know, Anybody uh, you want to invite. BC, a- anytime. Right. Yeah. Excluding family members. Excluding, yeah, anybody. Yeah, okay. right. We've, we've yeah. run the gamut. So yeah. we're interested just to hear who, who the people would be. And you can invite your family and uh-huh. then plus. You know, so it's, it's, that's uh, historical but, figures and, of course, tennis players. Sure. Anything you like. Okay. Carol, you want to take that one first? I'll follow you. Okay. Um, I would invite you, Cindy, because you can keep the conversation going. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> no matter who's at the table. Um, so sweet. I invite my, my closest friend from Shreveport, Debbie, and uh, mm-hmm. I think Roger Federer would be absolutely, mm-hmm. you know, great to, to hear him talk. He, I think he's one of the greatest ever. He's at our table, um, too. Yes. And absolutely. I thank you for going back, uh, uh, Jesus. That'd be interesting. Beautiful. Yeah, it'd be interesting as yep. well. He'd be, he'd be one of one of my favorites. He's he's been on our show before too. Oh, I mean, yeah. he, he comes up in this answer. I love yeah. it. 
What, what yep. you, Carol, what would what? you serve? Just out of curiosity, yeah, what, what are you, you cooking? Serve? What are you are, serving? Are we doing spaghetti and meatballs, steak, uh, fish? What are we doing? What was the question? What are we what serving? Eating? What are we eating? What are we having for dinner? Oh, what am I having for dinner? Yeah, uh, people. Okay, I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're folks. That's why we make tough questions. You know, that's why people, yeah, yeah they want to know about you. What, what do you? I'm like trying to, to eat light. Uh, during this virus, trying to stay away from the refrigerator as much as I can. <laughs> no, but at this dinner party. At, at this, this party dinner, yes. with Jesus and Debbie and the Cindy and, and Roger. And Roger. Oh, what, what am I eating at the dinner? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought you, what am I having to dinner? No, tonight? no, oh, sorry about that. Oh, yeah. okay. I misunderstood. Yeah. Oh, my dinner party that I, oh gosh, I would have it catered by Le Gourmet Ballet, my best girlfriend oh. in Dallas, one of them. Uh, she runs that, uh, catering service and he caters all of our mcb parties that oh. you both have been to yeah. so i would have her cater us a nice um dinner with um her shrimp and grits and her chocolate cake shrimp and grits well we can attest to it and yes. that was a nice and a graceful plug but a nice one yes. and uh yes. fully fully quality cindy your turn come on Tell us all you, right you well i would have my mom because sure. I've missed her. Yeah. And it's been 51 years without that precious lady, and man, I miss her. Yeah. So I'd do my mom. I'd have my mom. I'd definitely have Jesus. I would have Mother Teresa. I would, would love mm. to just spend some time with Mother Teresa. And it's a cross between Winston Churchill and Federer. <laughs> so I guess maybe I'll go with Winston Churchill only because it adds a little bit of a different mix. Because I'm, I'm fascinated by they, him. They have a lot in common, too. So yeah. good, good answer. Well, he was such a leader. Yeah. And what he did in World War II, just, I mean, he took them through a very dark time. And, you know, after World War II, he, he was not voted back in. I mean, he was a man for the time, yeah. a man for the season. And many times, all of us, we have purposes for a season. And he was the man. So it would be Jesus, Mom, uh, Winston Churchill, and Mother Teresa. And, Carol, I'd let you in on the back door and have a chair for you. Oh, uh, nice. So I would absolutely make sure my, my, my sister Carol could come and my sister Brenda. Um, and I I like, like Carol, Becky Nelson is a star. She, you know, the joke is, you know, here's our family in the restaurant business. And the joke is I have vending machines in my kitchen. If you don't have a quarter, you don't eat. <laughs> um, cooking is not one of my specialties, although I'm mean on the grill. I'm mean on the grill. But when I have dinner parties, I do have them catered. And I would have Becky Nelson again with the... With the uh, the Lavelle Gourmet come and cater and have her chocolate cake for sure. But um, she has some wonderful um, uh, meatballs and she has a just a fabulous chicken. I would do that. Or if she was unavailable, I'd have Maggiano's cater it. Ooh, <laughs> I do love the rigatoni di at Maggiano's, mm. but um, but personally, I, I I'm a griller. I mm. and last night I made hamburgers for my son, and uh, so. Um, but I would, I would have it catered for sure by Becky Nelson and Le, Le Gourmet. Gourmet. Yeah, Gourmet Ballet. Yeah. All right, favorite exactly. movie. Favorite movie. Both of you. Both of you. What do you watch? What, what are we watching on Netflix or, or HBO Showtime? What's your favorite or, movie? Or at the theater. Right You're the open. Theater. You, you can go back uh, well, to Well, my first uh, movie ever at the theater, this is dating me, but The Sound of Music. Wow. I'll never forget that. That's, that's still my favorite movie of all time. 
What about you, Cindy? And I, I love historical movies that are about real people, and particularly you know, ordinary people doing extraordinary things in extreme circumstances. And so, you know, sound music is awesome. But I love Remember the Titans. Oh, I don't know if you all have seen that, but it's a true story. It was set in Virginia, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. It was set in Alexandria, Virginia, 1971. Exactly. Exactly. And it was a time of a lot of racial integration yeah. and the story of a coach, an African-American coach, yeah. who in his first season has to bring this racially integrated team together. And the m- music is fabulous. It's the yeah. Marvin Gaye, the James Taylor, yeah. the Cat Stevens, Temptations. Mm. The music was great, too. But I love Remember the Titans. I, I love that movie so much. And I always joke <laughs> that... Uh, um, in the movie version, it was Denzel Washington, and in yes. the book version, it was Denzel Washington. Oh, I didn't read the book. No, I mean I'm just kind of kidding, but it, yeah, it's yeah, like he yeah. was. But he was a star. And Will was, Patton too was his assistant coach, but yeah. Denzel was amazing. Yeah, and, 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 and I, I, I'm, I'm joking that that Denzel was who they had in mind when the book was written. Uh, it yes. was just so per- so it. on, you know, so perfect. Got it. Oh, he yeah. was he was spectacular. Wow. I love that movie and the music too. It's just fabulous. Awesome. Yeah. And y'all have seen the Little Mo movie, right? Definitely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yes, that's my close second because that movie is it's on our website. Yeah. If you want to watch it, mcbtennis yeah. dot Click on tournaments and scroll down to the tar- the popcorn box. We'll Great throw that movie uh, we'll with Mark Harmon and Leslie Nielsen. We will throw that uh, that link up when we yeah. when we produce this and yeah. put it on YouTube and all that. Yeah, Cindy's son is in the film business now in Los Angeles, so Neither. she oh, has producer. access to all the good movies now. Mm. Maybe maybe we'll have a Little Mo movie. Interesting about the Little Mo movie. Yeah. Just a quick fun fact: Mark Harmon played my dad uh-huh. in the Little Mo movie. He looked a lot like Dad, and so Mark Harmon played my dad. Of interest, when Mom had her horseback riding accident, yeah. uh, she, it was with a cement truck company and the cement truck company was sued and uh, they had to have a character witness to attest that mom would have and she had just signed up to do a tour with Jack Kramer with uh, Pauline Betts and they were going to go around the country because remember back in those days there was no money that was being made so so mom was going to make a substantial amount of money for those times so they had to have her attorney Marvin Belli who ended up it was like one of his first cases he ended up being a really outstanding and well-known attorney had to find a person who would be a character witness to say Maureen would have been worth this much and that the jury would believe in his testimony. The person he he chose was Tom Harmon, who was the coach of of UCLA, the UCLA football coach, who was Mark Harmon's dad. So so Mark Harmon played my dad in the movie, and his father had been the character witness to my mom in this really sad horseback riding accident that abruptly ended her career like within seconds. Isn't that interesting? That's really wild, yeah. And neat coincidence, um, uh, Mr. Belli's son was Melvin, and I taught his wife, Gretchen Belli, 20-something years ago back in San Francisco. That's amazing. <laughs> he was Marvin, right? Yeah. And his son was Melvin. Melvin, right. Melvin was the yeah. son. Yeah. That's amazing. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> it was one of his first, Marvin Belli's first uh, cases. Very interesting. As a young attorney, also, yeah. wow. They were 
were also young back then, exactly. Yeah. I think we were also young back then, too, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, CV. Uh, besides your tournaments, what's your favorite tournament? Besides your tournaments, the Little Mo tournaments, can't can't say your tournaments, so we know those are your favorite, but what, what, what's your favorite tournament? Like Indian Wells, it could be maybe the Jacksonville Open, you know, Virginia, you know, Virginia Slims, you know, it, anything. What's your favorite tournament? Well, of course, mine is Wimbledon. There's nothing like it. Yeah, me too. Um, I've seen it. I saw an 83 and 85. I saw Becker won in 83, and then Chris and Martina played in 85, and those are my, my three best memories. Mm. I, I have to say the same thing because that just meant so much to Mom, winning those three Wimbledons. Yeah, the cathedral yeah, yeah. of the sport, for sure. Even though we don't play on grass all that much, it's still, I think everybody recognizes Wimbledon as the, yes. the the top of Mount it's it's the uh, Mount Mount Everest of uh, really the tennis that's the, right the, the preeminent of all the tournaments the, the right. big one exactly oh mm-hmm. she loved she was so pleased with that but she also loved the Australian because the Australians were so kind to her but Wimbledon I, I have to agree Carol what sport would you have played if it wasn't tennis if it wasn't the great game what, what would you be playing what would you play just out of curiosity I think I would play golf. Really? I wish I'd started it earlier, and I, I think it's a great game. It's so challenging. You think I always thought it was would be so easy, just hitting mm. the balls. It was still. <laughs> I had no idea how hard it was. <laughs> so it's it, it. You never master it. We never master any sport really. But you know, golf is amazing. With you change all the, the clubs and the the surface and everything is just. It, I just didn't ever have the time to do it, but um, maybe one day I'll have more time and can take it. I've taken lessons, and I really do enjoy it. What about you, Cindy? But it's not as fun. To, I love tennis. There's yeah, nothing like tennis. tennis. Oh, yeah. We all agree. Cindy, on how about you? What Is about it you? equestrian events, or what do you think? What's your well? Other? Exactly. I, I think if um, my sister is a, a very respected equestrian she rides on the west coast and um, i love to go and watch her her uh ride uh, i have a healthy fear of horses <laughs> i mean i have a healthy respect oh. should i say of horses um but what i probably would do is cross-country running uh-huh. I, I was on the cross-country team also at university of virginia again because they needed women to play and um i, I really do love to run and so um I think I would, I, I would love to do cross country running. Distance running in Charlottesville. You've got some hills over there. That oh my goodness! Tough. It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, we we don't have it here now. My fantasy would be to be an ice would be to be an ice skater because that's my favorite uh, sport, the Olympics. I just think that would be so fabulous. But there is nothing about me that's graceful that would allow me. The one time I got on ice on ice skates i got stuck in the middle of the ice rink but i i just as a fantasy sport yeah i just love ice skating i think that'd be so cool to be an ice skater good, good answer that's neat all right last question here this yep. is it the big question you're the commissioner both of you this is gonna be separate you're the commissioner of the great game what change or changes do you make you can make one you can make multiple we've had a lot of different answers a lot of really great answers you're the commissioner it's your game <laughs> What do, you, what do you do? Yeah, don't be afraid to dig deep. Dig, uh, yeah. You can talk about pro tennis or junior tennis. Sure, whatever you'd like to see. 
Oh my goodness, we should be prepared. Oh, we didn't wow, that's a good question. <laughs> this is why that's, you took an improv class. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. Um, or is there anything? I mean, uh, is it? I I think it's important to to be equitable, and if you are say you're going to do something, it has to be equal. And I I think um, again because Morning Comic Book Tennis Foundation so promotes good sportsmanship and character, I think sometimes um, in the pros, the the behavior to me is a little inappropriate and um, it gets it is not called out and I would have stronger uh, guidelines on I mean cursing and um, the respect that the players show the umpires and uh, on sportsmanship so I, I would set stronger guidelines on on uh, policing that and monitoring that um, there's no way you could ever ask players to give back, you know, to, to go to the events, you know, but, um, the young players today, uh, who are going to be, who, who are, uh, rising to the ranks of professional, particularly maybe those outside the United States don't understand because that wasn't the way they were brought up, but it's important to also, uh, support and be uh, be involved and, and appreciate the sponsors. So I would, as a commissioner, again, I would um, request that players need to be more involved with, with just going in, at, to the parties, perhaps, and just thanking the, the, the sponsors. That's what made the Virginia Sons of Dallas so popular, mm. that, that the players went to our events and we're, we're grateful. And it just it created such a great simpatico, such a great um, feeling of, of cooperation and support. I think I, I would, I would those would be two things. I would try and focus more on the character of the sport. Great, great answer, Commissioner Wayman. And Cindy, your turn. <laughs> well, that was, that was Cindy. That oh, was, sorry, that, that was, was Cindy. Cindy. That was Cindy. It's Carol's turn. Sorry about that. Yeah. No, no worries. I, I, I was going to for Cindy and help her do whatever she <laughs> wanted to do because it all sounded just like what I would I agree. I was around when the gals at Virginia Slims and the guys at WCT yeah. were at every party. They shook hands. They promoted the sport. I don't see that happening as much, and I think that's harmed the sport. Um I uh, I don't like to watch television and see empty stadiums. Do you see that? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, we see that a lot. There's, it's just getting to be embarrassing, really, no. uh, to watch Tennis Channel and not see. You can count the people in the stands, and I just think that there's so many kids that tennis needs to reach out into the community somehow yeah. to bring in schools of kids uh, that would love to be there and people who maybe don't have means to pay the expensive ticket prices just to fill the seats and see what great athletes are on the court. And, and those um, people filling the seats are going to fall in love with the game too. We, we want more of that. Mm -hmm. That's exactly mm -hmm. right. That. Exactly. Mm -hmm. we, we're fighting against so many other sports and yeah. activities that we really <laughs> need to promote our sport and make it more popular like it was back in our day. I hate to drive by tennis courts and see them using it as a back, the net as a backstop like 
for, for hockey or, or rollerblading uh, on the court or whatever and pickleball. And, uh, yeah, I love pickleball, but, you know, I wish they were playing tennis. <laughs> so... So what you, what well, if I was commissioner, Carol, I'd hire you to be my vice commissioner. How about that? You all do Thank an unbelievable you. job. Yeah, the best. No, I, mean, the best. I mean, you all don't run tournaments. You run events, and that's what I think what you all were talking about is uh, they're not special anymore. They're just another another week, weekend or a week or whatever. What you all do with your events, what you've all been a part of with Virginia Slims, WCT, and now the Little Mo events, uh, you run events and, mm. and you make it make it fun. You make it memorable, memorable, and people um, want to be a part of it. Yeah. No, no, I'm, 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 I'm not trying Thank to be creative with with my comments. I'm no. trying to say, you know, for those who are listening, if you know, because my my son Chris has played in your events as well, and no. I just I knew something was special about what you all did, and did to see that in action. I mean, that, that I just think you're it's fascinating with the with the mo, uh, mo coins. You know the the sportsmanship yeah. trophy. You know the bigger yeah, you all get it, and that's yeah. that's. I don't think a lot of tournament organizers get it, and mm. and that's where I, I would have you all run all the events, and I'm going to put you all up on that. And let's do it, and we're going to put you all up for commissioners of tennis and vice commissioners of tennis. How's that? Yeah. Oh, great. That's very kind, AJ. That's very yeah. kind. Thank yeah, you. But thank you for what y'all do. I mean, it's it's the teaching pros. It's the it, 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 we're a family. Right. Tennis is a community. It's a yeah. family, and we couldn't do it without you because you bring your kids, your your biological children, your own children, and then mm-hmm. you're you're the players that you coach to our tournaments. And so we couldn't do it without you. And we treasure you. Thank we you truly you. cherish you, our, yeah, our tennis community. Thank you. Well, the Thank great you. game is great. It, it's just a big family. We're mm-hmm. all we're all in this together. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll get this back to some point where we write the ship again to where it's uh, uh, we have some U.S. players that are, are coming through the turnstile. Your events are just just off the chart. If, if uh, before we go, can you tell your list, our listeners where, again, they can find if they want to get involved, if they want to be a volunteer, if they want their kids to play in your events? Where, where, where do they go? Okay, great. Uh, our website is mcbtennis.org, O-R-G, and just go to tournaments, and then there'll be an envelope there that you click on that and then you just add your name and your email and you'll be on our database and we send out in fact we're sending out a newsletter tomorrow um so it's a monthly newsletter and you will be getting that every month and uh to keep you up to date on all of our tournaments and uh it's on our website all the sites and dates you can see what they were this year um unfortunately we had to cancel our sectionals and regionals and and our new york California internationals. We're still hoping for the Little Mo Nationals yeah. at the end of September in Austin and the Little Mo Internationals in Florida in December. So we we would love to have people that would like to volunteer and uh, any companies out there that might be interested in being a part of Little Mo. We'd love to talk to you and send you a PowerPoint. So oh. Yeah, that, that's been fascinating. We don't want to take too much of your time because we've been at about an hour and a half. Yep. And Thank you, you. All, you all committed to an hour, so we went well beyond our, our schedule at the time, but you know, what a great night it's been, you know, just to understand more about, Little Mo. you know, it's, it's the MCB foundation, you know, uh, to know about you two a little bit more in depth about uh, what you all have been a part of and, and where you're going. Uh, it, it, 
Thank you. Thank you. Would you come back? Maybe we'll get you back on. Yeah, we got to do a part two. This was a blast. And uh, and I'm happy we talked sort of business and big picture, but I'm also happy we got a little fun pop culture stuff in there. And uh, and we promise (laughs) to do more next time. So uh, you two have a great evening. Um, Sleep well. and Absolutely huge. Thanks for being on our show. Oh, pleasure. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank, thank you all so good, much. Thank you, night. Craig. Thank you, AJ. Well, good night, you too. Thank you. We appreciate it. Bye-bye. Good night. Take care. All right, uh, AJC, we better just uh, do the sign-off here. We appreciate everybody uh, checking in on this, this uh, podcast. Uh, so thanks for listening to Season 1, Episode 39 of At The Net Podcast. We got a really nice guest coming up next week. Also, too, we got Kenny Herman with, right. with with the pickleball tour. He's a big name. He's yeah. a big name. Yeah, he's got mm-hmm. got very interesting uh, 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 thought process coming up for professional pickleball. But mm-hmm. we've had a great evening with Cindy and Carol. Boy, that was just a little that was awesome. Yeah. Be sure and tell your friends, yep. uh, lots of friends, yep. um, about our show. Uh, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Yep. And hopefully, you know, we like your people. Yep. Hopefully they'll like us. Yep. And that is the tennis, tennis news, news as, as it seems to us. To us. Good Thank night. you. Good night from the, the bunker somewhere in the world. Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in the world. Thank you. Thank you. Good, Good night, night, everybody.